Amen. Take your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter number 8. Thank you, Brother Don, for that song. It's a good song, man. What kind of man would reach down his hand and do that for me? I like the next part. Unworthy to live and not fit to kill. The man on the cross put me in his will and said I could go free. I love that song. It's a good song. Romans chapter 8 this morning. Uh, You'll have to forgive me. I'm still kind of trying to kick this little bug or sickness, whatever I have. So if at one point I begin to cough uh, uncontrollably, just start saying amen to make me feel better. Just, Just say amen to support the preacher and... Even if I'm not making any sense, uh, I appreciate your uh, willingness to help me out this morning. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 31. I I do believe that this morning's message will be as close to any Joel Osteen message as you'll ever hear me preach. But I will say, there's times when... Uh, it's necessary for the preacher to uh, really delve into some deep material and to deal with maybe uh, uh, social issues or uh, current uh, issues in society. And, and we've had to do that a lot recently um, with all of the ISIS going on and with all of the uh, bombings, and it seems like every day there's a new shooting, and it seems like the world is just progressively taking over. And so from this pulpit in recent months, we've really had to teach where our church's stance is on some of these issues. And honestly, when we were preaching on ISIS and those other issues, we're trying to teach you that God's in control. No matter how there's been a lot of evil men through history, but they always end up dying. And evil men will always be present in this world, but God will always be present as well. And so we've really had a lot of deep stuff come across this church here lately. So this morning, I just want to lighten things up. I want to have a good time recalling and remembering some of the great things that we have going on as Christians. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes we get a little doomy and gloomy. But we've got a lot going for us. And you can say amen if you want to lighten up the mood this morning. That was pretty weak. Okay. Everybody take your Bible to Revelation chapter number 1. I mean, we can go with the deep, but this morning I just have a feeling that the Lord wants us to have a good time and remember why He is still a great God. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 31. The Bible says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or... 
persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Today, friends, we have a wonderful God. And I just want to take some time this morning to remind you of just a few awesome things that we have going for us as Christians. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we pray today that you would help us in this uh, sermon. I pray that you would help us to understand what your word is trying to teach us. And Lord, I pray that you'd give me some direction as we go through it. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, the writer of our passage is obviously the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this book uh, of Romans. And Paul is a tremendous writer, and I think that even though he was a great preacher, and even though he was an amazing missionary, if you've spent any time around missionaries, you know one thing, that they have to be good teachers. Because they're going to a foreign culture that may not know a lot about what he's talking about, and maybe have never even heard the name Jesus before, And that missionary is now tasked with the assignment to teach them how they can be saved, not by works, but by grace through faith by Jesus Christ. And so every missionary is a teacher at heart. And I believe the Apostle Paul was the best kind of teacher. He was a teacher who asked questions to engage the student's mind. How many of you remember in your student history or when you were a student... Uh, a teacher that you enjoyed hearing them teach. Now, for me, uh, I had a bunch of good teachers, but when I got to college, there were some amazing teachers who engaged the classroom, even in difficult subjects. I never remembered liking history until I found a history teacher who made it come alive to me. We're going to open up the invitation now. My gracious. I hope that's the friendly ghost that Scrooge met, not the, uh, the last one. Man, I, I had teachers that I enjoyed, but one of the things, one of the tools that a teacher can use to keep his, his students engaged is questions. Because questions... And make the student's mind begin to search and reel for the answer. And if you'll notice tonight, there's a lot of questions that Paul is asking that he's not giving the answer to. He's asking you to think about it. And if you do your research, and I tried counting, and I may be off one or two questions, but from Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 7, and we're in Romans 8, but 1 to 7, there are over 45 questions posed to the reader. That's what he was doing. He was asking them to engage. And if you know anything about the book of Romans, there is some deep stuff being covered here. I mean, chapter number one is talking about how God has revealed himself to all of creation through creation. And you can see God's hand clearly. When you look at nature, you don't think, oh, well, this just happened one day when a comet struck something. No, you think God's hand created that. And then he goes on to teach us how We were guilty by association with our father, Adam. Look, even if you could have lived a sinless life, the end result would have been death and a punishment in hell because your father was a sinner. And his lineage passed down to you, and you were a sinner not because of the fruit of your sin, but the root of your sin. You were guilty by association. 
And so you can understand how this is difficult for some people to hear. And this is some deep stuff Paul is talking about. He goes on to tell them about how uh, grace is uh, through, uh, or now they're, now they're living under grace and not law anymore. And there's this transition that must have taken place from all of these people who have been under Moses' law, and that's how they've tried measuring up and how they've tried living their life. And, and Paul is now teaching them, you were never saved by the law. You've always been saved by grace. Now it's just more readily apparent because Jesus' death on the cross. Forty-five questions. Man, the, the mood as he's teaching and as he's writing this must have kind of, the class must have been a little uh, weary. You know when your eyelids get heavier than uh, your, your body can hold them up anymore and, and you're thinking, man, I need some coffee. And your teacher's just up there teaching and, and the class now is just drowning in information. And I believe chapter 8 kind of turns. And Paul senses that the class is overwhelmed. And so he, he goes from giving all of this abundance of information, and now he says, but I've got some wonderful news. And he essentially lightens up the mood. And I want to teach you how he did that this morning. These questions were proposed to the student to engage their mind, and they were to engage their mind to think about, first of all, to consider that they had a weaker adversary. Verse number 31, the Bible says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Boy, I like that. You know what I liked in high school when we were uh, playing football and basketball? I liked having the best player on the field or the court. I wanted him on my team because I didn't want to guard the guy. I didn't want to have to shut the guy down. And you know what the devil deals with? You know what the world deals with? The fact that we have the best player on our team. Satan is a powerful creature, sure. But did you know that all of the power that Satan has was delegated to him by the God that you serve and you love? Paul says, if God be for us, who in the world has the guts to stand against us? It's kind of like David. When the, when the giant, the, the, the champion of the Philistines was standing in the valley, and he's cursing and he's saying, oh, you weaklings, you, you Jews, you, you act like you have a big God. You think you know everything. You think you're almighty and strong, but why don't you come down here and fight me? And everybody was too afraid. And the giant looked so big to everybody. And then shows up this little pipsqueak. He was ruddy. And I don't know if you know what that means, but that means he looked like me. <coughs> you think I'm kidding. That means he was redheaded. That means he had a fair complexion. And he was probably about four foot eight, you know, about knee high to a grasshopper. Just, a, just an itty bitty skinny scrawny fella. So exactly what I look like until my senior year. Uh, uh, I'm just skinny, all pimple-faced, freckle-faced. And David comes up. His voice is probably changing. You know, he's going through puberty. And he's, well, who's going to take care of this problem, everyone? And everybody, Saul's there. And, and uh, his brothers are there. And they say, David, you'd shut your mouth if you knew it's good for you. And David looks at all of these men. And these were the words that come out of his mouth. Who is 
this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, it's, it's kind of like we say today, who do you think you are? Who does that guy think he is to talk like that, to say those things about my God? Who does he think he is? Oh, he might be a champion. He's a champion of weak. He might be a big fella. He's a big, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That's what David was thinking. And he looks at all these men, he says, who does he think he is? He may be bigger than me. He may be bigger than you, but he is not bigger than God. And he was saying, if God's on my side, who does this guy think he is to stand against us? Back when we were playing uh, sports, JCA, we had football, we had basketball, and and, uh, we, we had our homecoming game. And probably everybody in the room, especially if you grew up in Texas, remember the the up-to-do's of homecoming. You know, he had the big mums. And uh, the, I, the mum I bought was, like, heavier than the girl it was on. I, 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 they sold it with a wheelbarrow, actually. The girl just laid down, and I had to wheel her around school the whole day. Cause the, and then we put the mum on her ass. No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. But uh, I... I, I remember the big up-to-do's of homecoming, and, and I don't know if you played sports or, or not, but nobody wants to lose homecoming. And you don't lose homecoming, right? Homecoming is the one game all year you got to win. You know why? Because Grandma comes to that one. Because your uncle you only see at Christmas, for some reason, shows up to homecoming. Because it's homecoming! They have a big pep rally. They buy a smoke machine. That, that or the principal smoking in the corner. I couldn't tell. But, man, they've got confetti. They've got streamers. They've got fireworks going off in enclosed buildings. And you're thinking, is this code? Is this okay? I'm not sure. But it's homecoming. Nobody cares. The fire chief standing in the corner shooting them off. Everybody's loving homecoming. But you don't lose homecoming. So we figured out. Just schedule a terrible team. (laughs) Nobody cares if you win by two or win by 200. It's homecoming. You've got to win. So what we would do is we'd schedule some junior high B team. They'd all come in. They're all expecting lollipops after the game, you know. Man, it didn't matter. It's homecoming. You've got to win. So our opponent was terrible. We'd just go out there and... Well, I won't finish the story, but, uh, you know, you, 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 we, were, we were just so much better than our opponent at homecoming. Did you know that every day you take the field of life, you have a homecoming opponent? Somebody who's weaker, somebody who's scrawnier, somebody who can't even hold a, a candle to the person that you serve. If God be for us, who can be against us? We have a weak adversary. And Paul was asking us to consider that. Secondly, we have a winning arsenal. Look at this in verse number 32. The Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now listen, pay attention. This is good Bible. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Uh, We sometimes worry about approaching God with our trivial uh, 
trivial problems. We think sometimes that our concerns are not that big a deal to an almighty God. Or sometimes we think, well, God wouldn't lift a finger in this matter because it's just so small. And Paul just kind of blasts this kind of ideology out of the water. He says, if God packaged his only begotten son, the thing that he cared the most about in all the universe, packaged him up and sent him to us. Knowing the death of the cross, knowing the pain that would ensue, knowing the torture that men would place upon the Lord Jesus, knowing that stripes would be placed upon his back, knowing that nails would be placed into his hands. Paul says, if God was willing to do that for you, your little problems are nothing for him to handle. Man, we have at our disposal a God who sees the future. Well, wouldn't you like to know what's going to happen tomorrow? Did you know that your God does? A God that sees the future. A God that has everything in his power at his resource. You see something that you need. You need your boss to give you a, a help in an area. You need something special. You need your car to just give you a couple thousand more miles. Did you know that God has the ability to do that? We have a winning arsenal. Why do we walk around like we are just weak? Like the world is overwhelming us sometimes. Like, oh, we're outnumbered. We're cast down. We're in peril. But God is on your side. And the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest. And he came and he faced every problem. He faced every temptation. He struggled through this life. He knows what it's like to be homeless. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to not have anything to eat. He knows what it's like to to walk your way and limp your way through this life. And you know why he did all those things? So that we could obtain grace exactly when we need help. In our time of need, the Bible says. We have a winning arsenal at our fingertips. Our God is powerful. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 84, The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The Bible says in Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Friend, today... Don't walk around like you are at a disadvantage. Don't think that your problems are too small for God to deal with. God took care of the biggest problem you'll ever have when he sent his son to die on Calvary. Everything else, God says, oh, sure, I can take care of that. That's no big deal. I've got, yeah, I've got the solution right here. We have a weak adversary. We have a winning arsenal. Thirdly, we have a weary accuser. Look in verse number 33. The Bible says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? You ever have one of those days where you just feel absolutely worthless as a person? You maybe mess up or you say something you know you ought not say. You behave inappropriately and you you just in your bottom of your heart you say... I'm not worth the dirt I'm walking on. And then our, our sadness begins to set in. Our frustration begins to set in. 
And we think that we, there's no way we could approach God's throne in this type of condition. Do you know the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that at one time, Satan before the throne of God and accused the brethren day and night? In other words, it was like this. John Ringgold's walking through his day. He's doing something. He's probably at Chicken Express getting some sweet tea. That's what every good Christian does every day, right? And they bring him unsweet tea. I mean, we gotta, we got to get serious about this illustration. And John reacts in a way that kind of bites the girl's little head off. And not John. I, I obviously chose the one person who would not. It's hard for us to envision him in this capacity. <laughs> they bring him unsweet tea, and, and John reacts in a way that he, he says something to her. He bites her head off, and... And then John drives away with a Joshua Christian Academy sticker on his window and Joshua Baptist Church ball cap on, you know. And John doesn't more get out of the parking lot and he realizes what he's done. He realized that the behavior that he had did not resemble his Savior at all. You know what the devil was doing at one point? Hey, hey God, I want you to look down there at Chicken Express. I know you can see it, God, because the Bible says even if they make their bed in hell, you're there. So you're everywhere, God. You know what he's doing. Look there. That little girl, she just made a mistake. And your, your child, your blood-bought child snapped at her. He didn't look like your son, Jesus. That's the kind of person that you purchased with the blood of your son. And this is God's response. What sin are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been thrown out. I don't remember them anymore. And then old Satan, you know what he does? He says, no, you don't realize, God. Look at that weak Christian. And God says, what sin are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been thrown out. I don't remember them anymore. Satan says, no, you don't understand. Just look. Look right now. And God says, but Satan, you know my Bible just as good as I do. And the Bible says that I've cast John Ringgold's sin as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions and will not remember them anymore. God is a good God. And the Bible says in Psalms that he casts our, sea, our sins into the depths of the sea, not to be remembered anymore. Satan stands in front of God all day and like Job says, uh, as like he lifts up Job, God says, look at my son. And the devil says, oh, he's a weakling. He'll never do anything for you. He'll never amount to anything. And God says, you don't understand. I can't see the bad in him because he is clothed with the righteousness of my precious son. I don't see his faults. I don't see his failures. I don't see his flaws. I look at him and I see righteous. I look at him and I see redeemed. I look at him and I see awesome. Could you imagine being Satan, doing this all day and all night? Can you imagine how tiring that job would get? 
It'd be like running on a hamster wheel. Satan says, look, you don't, just look. And God says, I can't. The blood of my son covers all of his sins. There are times when you may feel worthless. And there are times when you're pulling out a chicken express and you realize that you did not look like God wanted you to look. But I want to assure you today that God does not look at you with despise or with chastisement. He looks at you with love, with the same affection that he saw you back when he hung his son on a cross for you. And we have a weary accuser. Finally, tonight, I want you to consider this. We have a wonderful adoration. Look here in verse number 35, and we're done. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, while it is very appropriate for us to adore the Lord our God, He deserves adoration, He deserves our praise, He is altogether lovely. God is love, and that goes much deeper than God's capability to love us. God is lovable, you understand. There is nothing about God that is not attractive. There is nothing about God that is not beautiful. Everything that is upright, everything that is good, everything that is high and holy, God is that. And it's very easy to love God. But the Bible here is not talking about who shall separate us from loving God. The Bible here says, who shall separate us from Christ's love for us? Now, friend, I just have to be very honest with you. I am not all the time high and holy. I hang out with Brother Frey. I am not all the time righteous. Sometimes you can ask my wife, I am hard to love. That didn't sound like my wife. And my sister. Sometimes, boy, I tell you, I, I don't even love myself. But the Bible says there is nothing that I can do or that you can do to remove the fact that Christ adores me. He loves me. It doesn't really matter how filthy I get. It doesn't really matter how backslidden I get. God loves me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He did not love the best of the world. He did not love the good of the world. He loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son here in his love. Not that we loved God, that's easy, but that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. My friends, today you understand we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be proud of. And when the news tells you that everything's going down the tube, realize that your God still loves you. People sometimes wake up in the morning and they, they've had a rough night's sleep. Occasionally I'll wake up and my neck, I'll sleep on my neck wrong and I'll wake up like a paralytic. And I, 
I go to the chiropractor and I try getting him to adjust me. I, I walk around like a cripple man. Last year when I was coaching basketball, I was walking around like this trying to teach these guys where to go play. And I just couldn't even, couldn't even stand up straight. Had a rough night's sleep, and my day just started off bad. I woke up, my wife said, boy, you look bad this morning. Ah! <laughs> Appreciate that. You wake up, you got bad head, and, and you start combing your hair, and, and the cow lick that you slept on wrong won't go down. It's, it's springier than the mattress you've been sleeping on all night. And you, you get up and you go turn on the TV and you fell asleep before your team's game ended and you turn on TV and you realize that they were up by 20 and somehow they lost. And you think, what in the world's going on? You take off for your day, you get to work and there's a train on 917 so you're late. There's never a train on 917. I don't know, that, that's too hard to believe, isn't it? You, you get to work and, and the first thing that hits you is, is the secretary slaps some message on your desk that says, uh, this person wants you to call them back. And you realize that you haven't called them back in two weeks and you've been promising to call them back every day. And you think, oh, man, this is a rough day. You go to lunch and you, uh, you, you, you want to go to your, your spot. You want to go to uh, the sandwich shop or you want to go here. And then you say, well, I'll take my normal. I'll take, I'll take this sandwich. And they say, we're out of that. went to, I forget where I went the other day, I, I went to McDonald's, I think, and I said, I want a, I want a McMuffin. They serve breakfast all day now, so it's lunchtime. I wanted an Egg McMuffin. She said, we're out of McMuffins. I said, so when you advertise, you have breakfast all day. <laughs> I drove out of the parking lot and realized I probably didn't, didn't, yeah, I don't have Joshua Baptist on my truck. There's a reason for that. And uh, you think, I wanted, and the day just progressively gets worse, but it started off bad. You get home, you kick your feet up, and you go to set your chair back, and you realize that your chair handle breaks, and now it won't even recline. You look at your wife, and you say, honey, what's for dinner? And she says, I was hoping we could order a pizza. Oh, no! My gracious, could this day have started out and ended up any worse? And i got a feeling that probably sometime this week, somebody in this room is going to face a day like this. You know what a great way to kind of ride it on the tracks is? To kind of just recenter, rebalance, refocus. You say, all this stuff maybe happened in my car didn't start. I had to buy a new battery. I got the battery and I realized that I drove it home with no gas in it. And now I'm stuck in my yard. You just, this has been a terrible day. You want to know a good way to refocus that day? Remember these things. Remember that you have a weak adversary. And the course of this world at times is overwhelming, but you realize no matter how overwhelming the world may get, God says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Remember that you have a winning arsenal and that everything that God has at his disposal is easy for him to give you. 
You may look up to him one day and say, God, I need just a little bit more grace. And God says, good, I've got plenty of it to go around. Say, God, I need a little bit of mercy today. And and God says, good, because my mercies are new every single morning. Say, God, I just need a little bit of help. And, And God says, no good thing will I withhold from them that walk uprightly. That is a winning arsenal. You remember that. You remember that you have a weary accuser in the times during the day where you pull up to Chicken Express and you don't behave right. McDonald's is out of Egg McMuffins. You just remember, if you screw up, you're not a screw up. Remember, if you mess up, you're not a reject. God loves you. And the devil is trying to pull you down, and sometimes he's more successful in your own spirit than he is before God. But you realize that he's fighting a losing battle. And you remember that we have a wonderful adoration. And if your car doesn't start, the food place don't have your, the food that you want. And, and everything is going downhill. And your wife wants to make, get pizza from Domino's. Remember, there's not a single thing in this world that can stop God's love for you. There is no mountain high enough. We're lightening up the mood, amen. 